Hi, thanks for tuning in to the narratives where we take a deep dive into the lives and lived experiences of women in India and try to understand how this plays into their mental health by looking at research and practical expertise. I'm Shweta and with me I have Preeti and we are your hosts at the narratives. Every month at the narratives we pick up a different theme for exploration and look at different issues within the theme in two episodes that release in the month. This time in celebration of Pride month our theme is queer lives and lived experiences. Before we go ahead with today's episode we have a really special announcement. Do watch out for a special edition series that's coming soon again in celebration of Pride month 2022. This series features six stories of coming out of people belonging to the LGBTQIA+ community. We have one episode of the series releasing every day from the 20th to the 25th of June 2022. This series is very close to our hearts and we really do hope that you find the space to check it out. Okay, so getting right back into today's episode, we're going to be talking about queer romantic relationships. Before we get started talking about this very very interesting topic today, just a reminder to our listeners to stay tuned to the very end of this episode and make sure that you don't miss our very special lived experience segment in today's episode. Without further ado, should we jump right in? Love holds a very important place in our human lives and society. Maslow's famous hierarchy of needs mentions You know love and belongingness as one of mankind's basic needs. Human beings strive for love, belonging and connection and theorist after theorist has reiterated this fact. In fact, the self-expansion theory of love suggests that love is something that supports positive development by providing meaning and helping one to self-expand one's potential. So love is basically universal and it unites us, uh cut- cutting across boundaries of class a uh, caste creed and color indeed and despite that while we know and believe from the bottom of our hearts that love is love irrespective of one's gender identity and sexual orientation society makes love and loving a very arduous task for individuals who belong to the lgbtqia+ community everyday experiences that are considered normal and routine by heterosexual couples like you know going on a date to a restaurant and holding hands might be very challenging for queer couples going further shared housing joint financial arrangements marriage and even adoption are all very far fetched one can only imagine how all of these wide ranging experiences of being discriminated against can influence one's own mental health and everyday stress levels right Exactly and you know that being said research also reports that being in a romantic relationship can act as an effective buffer against stressors of everyday life especially for people belonging to the LGBTQIA+ community a 2018 study by Donnelly and colleagues suggested that discrimination contributes to depressive symptoms but greater support from spouses buffers the mental health consequences of discrimination Individuals in same-sex marriages report more spousal support than individuals in different sex marriages even after accounting for experiences of discrimination. So this is a catch 20 a catch 22, right? Romantic relationships are important to one's mental health and can buffer against di- discrimination, but being in a queer romantic relationship itself attracts more discrimination. So what do we do with these unfortunate paradoxical situations uh and What exactly does that mean for the relational health of the people in queer romantic relationships? 
and most importantly how does this impact the mental health of individuals in the relationship to help us find some answers to all of these very very difficult and important questions we're joined today by richa vashista richa who goes by the pronouns she and her works as the chief mental health expert with at ease an inclusive mental health platform by lilac insights She has a master's degree in clinical psychology from SNDT University and is a certified suicide first responder issued by City and Guilds. Her therapeutic approach is drawn from Carl Rogers with the belief that people have the capability to be their favorite self. She has worked extensively with LGBTQIA+ individuals and is a queer affirmative and trauma informed therapist. She uses an intersectional and social justice framework in her approach to therapy. Richa has co-authored a manual for mental health professionals named Strengthening Bridges to support parents of LGBTQIA+ individuals. She speaks at various international and national forums emphasizing the importance of mental health care and the rights of LGBTQIA+ individuals. First of all before we get into the conversation thanks so much for being here with us today Richa I'm really looking forward to having this conversation with you today um I think a good uh, uh, space to start off this conversation would be to first understand how exactly do you think uh, uh, in your uh, experience as a mental health professional um you know uh, individuals being in queer relationships can actually influence their uh, sexual and gender identity Sure thank you for the question um i think when we're trying to talk about queer um people in relationships it's important to understand that all this while you're coming from spaces which are fairly heteronormative and you whether you were in school you were in college you've been in situations where people around you have mostly been attracted to the other uh, gender so it could be maybe um I don't say opposite gender here because then we are kind of trying to talk from a very binary perspective so um you know most times it would be that uh, a, a girl in the school has been attracted to a boy or the boy in the school has been attracted to a girl um you know keeping in mind that we always looked at there being only a, a girl and a boy a man and a woman and you know getting attracted to each other and it kind of you know there was a full stop over there so um I think queer relationships can really affirm uh, people's sexual orientation or gender identity um you know from realizing a that you're not the only one b to realizing that um you can experience so many different emotions so many different feelings you can have experiences together which you probably thought for the longest time that this is not something that's meant for you and um um you know i think it's very important to also realize that it takes a lot of time for people to be able to get into a you a queer relationship whether it is you know open or not whether they're exploring uh, monogamy polyamory you know whatever the situation is so i think it's um it's it's a very huge deal for uh, queer people to find love for queer people to um you know explore uh, their sexuality gender identity those dynamics in the relationship 
all right okay can you also throw a little bit of light on what exactly are the implications for the sexual and gender identity of a queer um, individual who is in a relationship with a heterosexual individual so um like for example let's just say a bisexual uh, person who identifies as a woman who is in a relationship with a heterosexual man so can you throw a little bit of light on that as well sure um so there is a lot of um, you know biphobia in the country and especially in queer circles and i know this because a lot of uh, clients who have come to me have been on both sides i, I would say so there have been you know people who have come to me and who who have said things like um, i don't want to pursue anything with this person because they identify as a bisexual person um and you know the fact that they're bisexual means that they're probably going to uh, leave me for um, you know another gender at some point or that they're confused they're not sure um and then when you have uh, you know let's say a queer person who's in a relationship with a um heterosexual person um then there is again a lot of we don't really accept you here you don't belong here this is not your space so that gets really difficult now again have a lot of um, personal experiences where i've seen this happen in a lot of queer circles myself so that does get uh, you know tricky and i know a lot of queer people who are in cis het relations as we say uh find it very difficult to actually uh talk about it or find it difficult to then claim uh you know queer space as their own okay all right and uh, i mean in the current uh, in the 21st century dating has is something that's that's really shifted spaces you know from the offline uh, real world to the online medium like the virtual space plays a huge role in how we perceive uh, dating and romantic relationships these days right so that being the case what role do you think online dating apps like tinder bumble grinder or so many others that we have uh, play in the dating lives and romantic experiences of queer individuals So that's an interesting question um you know coming from a space when I was um, in I think from 2014 to 2018 I was working with a grassroots level organization that worked for queer rights in India and dating um at that point even now for a very huge population or not a huge population but for a lot of queer people um would be going through a lot of cruising sites especially uh, gay men bisexual men would get more access to these uh, you know cruising sites as we say and then from that we've now moved on to the online world um, where there are like tinder bumble grinder um, you know okay cupid etc etc uh it makes dating a lot more accessible surely for uh, people let's say who who are not out who've not been able to um you know interact with other queer people so that's for sure like accessibility is improved and um and i also notice and this is something that i have i have seen that through these dating sites it's not just um, you know dating and hookups that are coming out of it but uh, different kinds of bonds bonds are being formed uh you know whether it is friendship or whether it's like a you know a business proposal coming out of it i know so many people in the queer space are like okay this is what you do this is what i do let's look at doing something together so it's it's also becoming a networking space specifically for queer people as well right so i think 
um you know it is it is very interesting of course i know a lot of people also complaining and telling me things like uh, oh but everybody is looking for a hookup i don't really find um, uh, you know somebody i want to be in a relationship with somebody but nobody is really interested at this time or you know i have some people telling me that oh i've just been going on dates is nothing's really working out so it's a very mixed um, uh it's a very mixed thing of what's really happening in the dating in the online dating space for sure all right so um on online dating apps within the space of you know online dating do you think that an individual's uh, sexual orientation or gender identity specifically influence the nature of the experiences that they have on dating apps um yeah so you know the example that i gave earlier that um Uh, a bisexual person might experience a lot of biphobia for the reason that queer people uh, you know feel that oh no 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 this person's going to leave me for a cis het man so you know i'm not going to explore anything in this space or um you know let's say trans people might experience a lot of transphobia because um, you know i know a lot of people will be like oh i am okay with being gay lesbian bisexual but i am not okay with trans people so even in the queer space there's a lot of trans phobia which does show up a lot of times uh, you know on these on dating spaces as well um and then additionally along with it i think uh, being a non binary person um especially if you don't understand non binary as an identity can get uh, very confusing or um can get very triggering for people especially uh, if you are um, misgendering them or um you know if you don't understand how how they would like to be addressed etc etc so those things can really turn somebody off even if they are on a date and that can get tricky because um you you thought this was a safe space for you and you know your uh, identity should have been validated but that's not really happening yeah that's that's truly unfortunate uh, what you were just talking about but uh, picking up from that actually uh what impact do you think all of these experiences you know that are associated with online dating actually have on the mental health of individuals what do you think about that i think when we are trying to focus on the mental health um aspect of things um i would say that a the fact that there is more accessibility you know it's easier for uh people to be able to reach out to each other build better bonds network that is that's a plus point especially during the pandemic i know how much um, it has helped to just have a dating app on the side or you know just have like a queer space of your own on the side to be able to realize that even um, even if you're even if you're in a very toxic environment at home or that you're closeted you have people who you can constantly speak to and that's the best thing about um, you know online dating spaces so i would say that's one good bit about um, um how it would affect a person's mental health in a in a positive or a healthy manner um i think some of the negative um experiences that people have had is a that um, a lot of body image issues do come up so uh 
I know a lot of people who I work with in therapy in terms of like working on the relationship with their body. Um, it does very no, it does very constantly come up that oh, I'm not really getting a lot of people to meet. People don't find me attractive. People tell me that they just want to be my friend. Look at these other profiles. Look at how thin people are. Look at how they're dressing up. You know, look at like how fair or not uh, dark people are. So. lot of lot of issues around um, body start showing up because it is so much to do with physical appearance like it takes it takes you less than half a second to swipe somebody left or right so i know this is something that uh, that a queer person told me themselves if i have not put a good photo i'm not going to get a, i'm not going to get a good date and all of these issues can absolutely affect a person's mental health okay all right it was uh, pretty interesting that you brought in both the positive and also the challenging aspects when it comes to uh, the impact on mental health right um something else that i'd also like to understand is what role does support from close family and friends for queer relationships actually play um for the individuals uh, in the relationship and also for the relationship as a whole so this is something that very recently happened to me and um so i'm a i'm a queer person and i've been out to my family since probably 2018 and i recently went for a family wedding where um my partner was not invited and um it it somewhere pricked me but then i told myself it's okay no problem didn't do much about it um and the fact that i went for a very cishet marriage and uh the conversations were again very heteronormative and everybody was celebrating these two people getting married um it kept reminding me that oh i'll probably not have something similar in life or i don't know if that's happening anytime soon looking at the situation of the country uh but the fact that i had i kept that's what i did in that moment was i reminded myself that i have a family that supports me um i have a partner that loves me i have friends who support me like ever since i had to, i came out to myself in 2015 and since that moment every time i've come out to someone because you come out to someone practically every day um i've got nothing but acceptance and that is that is that is such a huge role that my friends and family kind of you know create in my life and i would say it's also the same with the people i work with the people um i'm in therapy with because if you don't get that kind of acceptance it uh you know it really does create a negative impact in your life so imagine if you know you're a queer person you're in a relationship and i know this has happened in so many different instances as well that um you have to keep your relationship closeted because you're not you're not sure how people are going to accept you um and at times you're probably with someone for 10 15 years and you realize that you're actually living a dual life because people don't know um you know about you your partner that's only because people are scared people are really scared to talk about their identity people are uh people fear that they're going to be abandoned like i'm not even talking about being judged here i'm talking about being abandoned here so uh i would say that um there's a very very huge role that family and friends play with queer relationships and to find that support is is a privilege first of all thanks so much for uh, sharing your own experience uh, with us today um and i completely agree with uh, what you just mentioned and how um, you know getting that sort of support is very very often a privilege that uh, not all individuals might have 
and uh, something else that i'd also like to delve into is uh, do you think interpersonal support from friends and family actually varies um, you know as a function of caste or socio economic status and even um, uh, whether the person comes from urban or rural backgrounds and things like that hmm interesting question and it's a debatable one um something that's my perspective might not be another person's perspective um so i feel that who you are as a person whether you are accepting not accepting uh whether you're progressive not progressive it doesn't matter if you uh, come from an rural uh, from a rural background or if you come from an urban city um sometimes socio economic status as much as we want to believe that oh no 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 maybe the rich get it better the poor don't i realize that is not the case at all i feel like uh, you know a lot more, you just need to be a humble you just need to be humble as a family to be able to kind of accept different identities so um my opinion here and i would say this is my opinion personally is that i don't personally feel that socio economic status or whether you come from a city or you come from like a tier 2 or a tier 3 city or uh, you know a uh, town um or like which caste you belong to of course there are uh, there are of course it's it's very layered and there are so many issues when it comes to caste um there are so many um issues when it comes to class but i would say that you will still find both sets of people in each of these categories right and um you will still find a homophobic rich person sitting somewhere or like a very accepting um um i don't know whichever caste you want to bring in and say um a muslim you know family that they're really accepting their uh, queer child so this is my perspective this is how i see it um because i feel like i have met so many different people and as much as i would like to say that we we are going in a particular direction that's not the case everyday life surprises me so yeah that was a very uh, interesting perspective thanks so much for bringing that to the table um but on that point i i also really hope that you know there's more academic literature that's probably conducted in this regard that could maybe give us a better um uh, picture of uh, how we really stand as a society when it comes to uh, the lgbtqia community absolutely i think that goes for um, i think yes a for having more queer focused studies um and queer focused studies when it comes to mental health for sure yeah definitely agree with you there and honestly that is the uh, you know value and belief with which we have every conversation here at the narratives that maybe some conversation somewhere will spark some thought which eventually leads in research that can culminate in actual uh, ground level changes that occur so yeah definitely agree with you there uh, moving on uh we were just talking about how uh you know uh, romantic relationships are very socio culturally embedded right that being the case uh, what do you think are some of the social and systemic challenges that are associated with being a uh, being in a queer relationship in the indian socio cultural context specifically so i think again this was a question that was asked to me a couple of days ago uh, i don't know where this conversation came up but it was around does your so uh me and my partner live in a rented apartment in bombay and uh, a friend asked me does your landlord know that the two of you are together and i'm like no uh, our landlord never asked us we never told them i think he assumes that uh, we're two friends living together and so that's that's point number 1 if 
I came out openly and you know want to seek a space in Bombay and I want to live with my partner I don't know if the society is going to accept me most most people I know around me are usually people who would want to uh, just say ki, oh, we'll just pass off as friends right we'll just pass off as friends because it's easier what's more important right now getting that uh, apartment than you know affirming or like um, affirming your identity or being out about it so I would say that um, that is a challenge of its own and then I think when you're talking about trans people um, because as a as a queer person I might pass off as a very cishet looking person but a trans person might not so they find it even more difficult in terms of like um, getting getting an apartment or like getting a, a, a job or I mean as much as there are companies that would say oh but we want to hire trans people or like we want to um, you know have queer people in our companies but it's also going back to as much as but like as a as a trans kid would I have been accepted in a school or like um, you know would I have been able to complete my education that itself is tricky um, again when we're trying to talk about like a lot of social uh, issues or like uh, how queer people are looked at from a very uh, government lens so the company that i work with right now um, lilac insights um, they they are very inclusive in nature so we have uh, you know facilities such as if um, there is a medical insurance so if there's you know if the company is providing me medical insurance we also have it for my partner so that's one of the few companies probably in the country that would have it um is is the government doing something about it not really um this is something that you know my company because their focus is on diversity and inclusion they would focus on it so you know these are small things that i would say that i i come from a very privileged space and i i would have access to some of it but a very huge population of the you know country who identifies queer do not have it so yeah that's some of the things that come into my mind right now yeah honestly the degree of you know gatekeeping of all of these different uh, very uh, day to day things like like you were also mentioning shared housing marriage registration joint bank accounts all of that uh, it's really unfortunate that it's so often gate kept from queer uh, couples so thank you for bringing that up uh, but how do you think all of these challenges actually relate to the health of the relationship and to the mental health of the individuals who are in the relationship? What do you think? So I think um, it does affect a relationship, um, you know, in, in ways where you don't feel that you are completely accepted. You don't feel that you have the same rights as, you know, uh, cishet individuals in the country. Um, on so many days, you get up feeling that it's very unfair. There are so many people I know who want to, you know, step out of the country because there might be better facilities or there might be more acceptance for a queer individual there. There would be more opportunities. So um, I would say that if it has to affect a person's mental health, it, it does because you, you know, you wake up every day feeling how unfair things are around you. Um, 
although there are there are uh, a you know set of people including me clearly um who will do something about it in terms of like advocacy um you know in terms of like creating more awareness because i think that's 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 the least one can do yeah definitely and you know like we were talking about earlier as well raising awareness is probably the first step to effecting a uh, grassroots level change so thank you for you know having this conversation with us and for raising awareness about all of these different issues that we're talking about today uh, but another question that i have uh, related to um, how society perceives queer relationships is the pop culture representations that we have of queer relationships in the indian context so how accurate do you think they really are and how do you think they you know influence and contribute to the stigma and discrimination that are faced by queer couples in everyday life i think the two more uh, the like the two recent movies that came out one was uh, chandigarh kare aashiki the second one was badai do um yet to watch badai do um but i've heard a lot of mixed reviews both are very extreme one is like oh my god it's amazing um the other set of reviews are basically that if there was a if there was queer representation why was it not done by queer person um so i think when a when we're trying to talk about uh, queer representation or queer relationships represented in um indian pop culture or indian cinema it's very mixed people rarely get it right uh, unfortunately or um i mean what is that movie there was this one movie which had ayushman khurana i forgot what it was called i think it was i, I don't remember the name but it was a very exaggerated way of showing queer relationships like a very very exaggerated like i'd be embarrassed to show that movie to my um, parents and you know to let them know that oh you know this is what a queer relationship looks like so um un- unfortunately we aren't there yet and it rather um, makes it far more difficult um and it does add to the stigma or discrimination or uh, towards queer people uh, but i i mean at least there is conversation that's happening there is effort being taken i would say that there needs to be way more effort being taken and that effort needs to be um you know with with queer individuals involved so um if you are making mu- movies uh, that is representing queer people why not take queer people in it like what's the problem and i had somebody who recently uh, you know put up a story somewhere saying that oh but you know who are these famous queer actors there are no famous queer actors and my point there is that there is no opportunity and that's why there's not a queer famous actor because if you gave opportunities there for sure would be a lot more um, you know queer people um who could who could represent uh, while we are talking about indian cinema or pop culture so yeah this is a very long conversation but i'd like to stop here Yeah, I completely agree with you that if there were more opportunities there definitely would be more uh, actors from the LGBTQIA+ community on the silver screen and representing themselves in pop culture. Uh, the movie that you were talking about uh, was it uh, Shubhmangal Zyada Savdhan the one with the Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> yeah. Okay, all right. So, um something that i'd like to you know um, close this conversation with is to first understand you know what steps according to you must be taken to grow queer inclusive spaces that are accepting of queer couples 
if you want to look at creating queer inclusive spaces a do it with queer people um something that really happened over the pandemic is that there were a lot of online support spaces for queer people and i thought that was so important because again going back to my you know circling back to my point earlier if you're a queer person stuck in a abusive household or you know you're a closeted person you know you were in a lockdown all you had access to was uh, that like digital space so i mean then digital space now if you're looking at offline spaces as well i think there need to be a lot more a uh, lot more queer uh, spaces so you know whether there are support groups or queer led or you know queer uh, yeah queer led support groups or uh, events etc i think these are good ways to be able to create more uh, queer inclusive spaces again i think if you have to look at it from a very advocacy perspective to be able to do more advocacy awareness around in schools colleges so you know look at creating queer inclusive schools queer inclusive institutions um look at creating queer in- inclusive uh, corporates and that's what i know a lot of people a lot of effort is going into it but that for sure is the way forward Absolutely I completely agree with uh, everything that you mentioned um something else that I'd also like to understand is as mental health professionals what can uh, you know mental health professionals do to support individuals who are in queer relationships I think as a mental health professional um a if you want to work with a queer person um you need to know what it means to be a queer person what are the struggles how can you support somebody because if you go through the you know if you've done a very basic uh, you know for example if you've finished your masters in either clinical psychology counseling psychology there's very little um information provided or very little training around how to support a queer person so you kind of need to do your own bit of research you need to uh, know how to be a queer affirmative uh, practitioner and i feel that's very important because if you're going to be in a therapy room and if you're not going to validate your client's experiences if you're not going to affirm their identity you're um, you know you're not you're not exactly causing uh, you're rather causing them more harm than good um additionally a lot of the um you know therapy approaches you know if you're looking at queer relationships if you're looking at people coming into couples therapy uh a lot of what has been taught in theory has been so heteronormative so you need to also step out of that lens look at it from a queer uh, lens look at it from a uh, you know yeah look at it from a queer lens because if you're going to look at it from a, a cis heterosexual perspective then you're not going to be really supporting uh, that queer couple so um there's a lot of work that really needs to be done as a mental health professional who wants to work with queer clients so uh, if that's something that you feel is not something that you know you're equipped to do right now then please refer the client because um when we try to take it up we end up again causing more harm and that really gets difficult for them and they end up being in a space of not wanting to approach you know therapy for a long time after that okay all right uh thanks so much for sharing that and i completely agree with everything that you're saying i think uh, mental health research and theory has for a very very long time uh, been 
very biased towards um, you know representing only cis het individuals and as mental health professionals i think it's and uh, it's it's a responsibility to actually be able to translate like uh, to be able to like when you actually translate all of that into practice to be able to make it inclusive and yeah i think uh, that brings us to the end of today's conversation thanks so much uh, richa for joining us today and it was an absolute pleasure interacting with you and getting all of your inputs thank you for today's research snapshot i have a study by samantha d capua for all of you So uh, the study was done in 2017 and it was published in the Journal of Bisexuality and for this study Decapua basically employed an inductive approach to explore three primary research questions I'm just going to list them out for all of you the first one was do bisexual women experience by negativity differently based on the gender and sexuality of their partner the second was do they experience by negativity based on stigma and attitudes that hypersexualize the female bisexual identity and the third one was does rejection and by negativity um affect how bisexual women perceive and pursue relationships in the future okay so i think that introduction itself was quite a bit right yeah but that definitely sounds like a very uh, interesting and much needed study and i'm looking forward to you know hearing more about how it was conducted and what results the authors came up with but i think before that uh, i'd like to clarify what by negativity actually means it's a term that you used in all three of the uh research questions that uh, you just mentioned right so uh my understanding is that bi negativity is essentially a form of homophobia towards people in the bisexual community so it's essentially an aversion towards bisexuality and also bisexual people as individuals so like most forms of uh stereotypes bi negativity as well can take many different forms one thing is definite one thing that's most common unfortunately is the denial of bisexuality as a genuine sexual orientation and other um uh forms of biphobia are also things like negative stereotypes about people who are bisexual so yeah that's what bi negativity means and uh, biphobia i'd just like to mention is a synonym for bi negativity or rather the term for bi negativity that used to be used uh, earlier so yeah yes shweta please uh, take over and tell us more about the study yeah thanks so much for um, you know summarizing that so adequately so i think we can get right back into the study now um so for the purpose of the study the author used a qualitative research methodology and uh, they reached out to 10 self identified bisexual cisgendered women within the age group of 19 and 24 Now that we've briefly covered the crux of the methodology that the author employed, let's have a look at the results of the study. Uh I'm going to be discussing what the author found within the framework of, you know, the research questions that I mentioned in the beginning as well, um in order to, you know, just simplify and organize the study accordingly. So, coming to the first research question about whether bisexual women experience by negativity by negativity differently based on the gender and sexuality of their partner. This research question yielded a bunch of varied themes. The bisexual women in the sample highlighted that irrespective of the gender and sexual orientation of their partner, they did experience a substantial amount of invalidation or dismissal of their sexual orientation from their partner's end itself. 
so some of the women in the sample also reported that they often also felt compelled to remind their partners of their sexual identity and orientation some women start uh, uh, stated that you know their partners often held the same stereotypical beliefs that was associated with bisexuality as the rest of the population for example they believed that bisexuality was just a phase and another theme was uh, within the research question also revolved around how partners of bisexual women often reported insecurity and fear regarding the opposite sex lastly a unique form of bi negativity was also found among women who were dating heterosexual men these men were reported to have taken a form of ownership of the bisexual woman's sexual identity in other words they would constantly claim to have changed the woman's bisexuality into heterosexuality um alternatively straight men would also um, you know use their partner's bisexuality as a bragging point where they encourage comments that in a way would objectify their partner's sexual orientation now jumping into the second research question right which was again just to just a refresher it was do uh, these women uh, who participated in the study experience by negativity based on the stigma and attitudes that hypersexualize the female bisexual identity to the answer the answer to this research question was as expected a huge huge yes women often were posed with requests from their partners where they were asked to engage in a threesome by sexually and physically involving with other women in fact the number of women in the data who reported the same was quite overwhelming 8 out of 9 people in the sample who had been with romantic partners actually shared this experience they were often also posed with requests from straight men to kiss other women and another way in which they um, often felt hypersexualized was also when their partners after realizing that they were bisexual would very intrusively enquire about their past relationships women were asked questions about whether their previous partners were attractive if they interacted sexually and intimately with their previous female partners and even about the kind of sexual interactions that they had Lastly another common theme indicated uh, was that although men often expressed high level of interest and thrill when they were when they first discovered that their partner is bisexual they would quickly just feel worried and threatened as time passed and as the relationship developed Now moving into the last and the third research question which again was does rejection and bi negativity affect how bisexual women perceive and pursue relationships in the future So for this theme the author highlighted that they definitely did. However, it was also found that both women uh, uh, who had, you know, personally experienced by negativity and those who had not still nav- navigated relationships in a similar manner. Bisexual women believed in a screening process in their dating life with respect to their partners and also disclosing their bisexual identity at an early stage of the relationship. Women also reported that they do experience substantial amounts of nervousness with respect to the reactions that they may receive from potential partners starting from high levels of stigma to even as we mentioned before hypersexualization. Lastly, though these women did not explicitly have any specific preferences with regard to the gender and sexuality of their partners, the ones that did have preferences reported wanting to date bisexual women over other genders and sexual orientations. So yeah this was the study I absolutely loved how it was so comprehensive in fact like when I was reading it as well um there were a lot of sub themes and themes that were so beautifully described and articulated I would really suggest that uh, you know if you're interested just go ahead and um, give it a read because this is literally just a snapshot of the study so yeah what are your takeaways from this study Preeti
Okay, that was honestly such a comprehensive study and honestly the results are so appalling if I may say so. I mean, I think the study really uh, brought forth the frankly horrendous uh, treatment that bisexual women face from not just society at large but also from their own partners as this uh, study you know highlighted and that was honestly really really uh, difficult for me to hear and uh, just just frankly really disappointed at the society that we live in after hearing about that study but uh, yeah one thing definitely was the you know the different forms that hyposexualization can take because i think when we typically talk about it we um, look at it from this particular lens but what this uh, study showed was that it can take many different forms in many different uh, contexts you know uh such as the the larger social societal context and also the intimate uh intimate partner context of the relationships that bisexual women find themselves in and uh, another thing that i also found uh really interesting was the high levels of bi negativity that persist across genders and sexual orientations and the fact that it's not just restricted to the heterosexual population that was another thing that really stood out to me and uh, i think this is this the other thing is something that goes without saying for most studies that we bring up in the snapshot right i would really love to know how all of this pans out in the indian context and uh, what all of this uh, really means for bisexual women who are indian and find themselves in romantic relationships in the indian context so yeah that's definitely something that i would really love to know more about but yeah great study honestly i really loved it welcome to this special additional segment of today's episode here we're going to be looking at lived experiences to expand our understanding of the topic that we've been discussing today and in today's lived experience segment we are going to be talking to utkrishti about her experiences with romantic relationships as a bisexual woman Thank you so much for being with us today with Krishti. Uh, it means a lot that you're here on the narratives and we look forward to hearing your story. Uh but before we go into that, can you maybe just introduce yourself uh for me and for our listeners as well? Uh thank you Preeti and I thank both Shweta and Preeti both of you for inviting me first of all. I really love narratives and uh Yeah regarding myself I am Utkrishti I am in my second year masters pursuing clinical psychology and I am from the northern part of India and mostly you will find me you know going through books or podcasts or, or just trying to write craziest of lyrics and I am more of a broadway enthusiast and anything psychology based definitely so yeah I think I'll introduce myself like that Okay um that's really great uh, to hear and I'm really looking forward to our conversation today so to just open up our discussion uh, for today can you tell me a little bit about how can being in a queer relationship actually influence an individual's uh, sexual and gender identity so personally speaking um being in a queer relationship can you know be confusing for you because like at least in general terms if you are let's say you know you're not involved with someone you know you are lit, you are single um exploration becomes easy for you 
otherwise being in a relationship for me at least like i was in a relationship and then i realized i belong to the queer community so for me it was a little difficult to digest suddenly and go through all those feelings so i'll i'll say it's a little um challenging and you need to educate yourself a lot you need a lot of support as well so yeah regarding your identity it it just it's a little hard and yeah it takes more time to um accept yourself i guess okay and uh, what impact do you think you know you you said that you came out when you were already in a relationship so what impact do you think that had on your romantic relationships in general and your dating life what do you think um for me like to be honest uh, the st- the f- feelings of uh, like i felt a lot of um confusion and guilt and you know not guilt exactly but something like why now you know as in like uh, i had very basic understanding about um, um being a queer person at that time uh and i was i'll say pretty much my um, understanding was pretty heteronormative and uh, so yeah it was quite it was a lot of confusion but uh, thankfully for me i think i have a very supportive partner so it was quite easy it did not have um very negative impact in fact in fact it strengthened my bond and it uh, made me quite emotional to uh, you know understand that okay uh, a partner can be you know more than an ally like more than anything can be like a cheerleader for your journey as a queer person so and apart from that whatever like uh, basic initiations of trying to be a queer person trying to find other uh, partners or something whatever i've tried i didn't find a lot of support there uh, it's quite confusing for other people to understand my dynamic uh, so i'll say for other people i ha- those are the struggles i have faced but apart from that i think being in like my own relationship it was quite easy and um, yeah quite emotional of an experience to find a support so yeah so far it's it's pretty great actually Okay uh thanks so much for sharing that with us um can you also tell me a little bit about um you know does being in a queer relationship actually have an impact on the individual self esteem and self efficacy you know especially in the context of the first queer relationship that one might be involved in yeah definitely um see being a queer person i guess like personally speaking it's fa- it's hard to um find something new okay um like as in for me personally so i am a bisexual person and i was trying to explore myself trying to see if um yeah i i could involve myself um, casually or romantically with other people and uh, of course like they they reject you or they like you know they talk to you in a very it can be weird at times or you know you have to explain yourself a lot and sometimes you so for me i often oscillate between these two feelings that who am i fooling you know i think i'm actually straight or i'm moving towards that why is it so much of a struggle to just find something for myself which fits more uh, to my identity uh, so definitely self esteem to certain extent it did have an impact and it uh, uh, initially like as a very a uh, nascent 
queer person as in the initial going into it i was very you know not so confident about putting myself out because i had these feelings of um coming out as not so attractive or something and being in a relationship already i thought that this just um you know decreases my chances to meet people of my community but uh, yeah with time and reading and making myself more aware joining certain like you know uh meeting some people who are part of groups and stuff so that has helped i think so yeah but self esteem definitely it has it had affected earlier i'll say okay and in what way do you think it impacted your identity itself within the relationship and outside of it mm, so within the relationship i think as i told before um my relationship got one more layer of you know um identity to it so like earlier i was in a straight relationship now i am in a queer relationship okay so identity as an individual um yeah initially uh it was tricky because i i did not start with the label of bisexual that was what i started with was very vague and i don't think i am not a person who goes for labels anyway they just um everyone is quite unique and uh, a couple of labels cannot really describe them but uh, for me uh, at that time searching for a label was pretty necessary to make sense and uh, yeah so eventually i have evolved into a bisexual person earlier i was something vague romantically attracted towards someone sexually attracted towards someone and then like i became bi curious then finally so I, now you know I think now it has completely changed my identity and I am very comfortable in my skin right now due to that label so it completely changed me uh, there were a lot of things which started making sense as soon as I said okay I am bisexual so it completely made sense so I will say if I think <laughs> ever since i was born i was a queer person but yeah of course i never recognized it i didn't have vocabulary for it but uh, for my identity as soon as i said i am bisexual the very day things changed and i became a happier person yeah definitely okay that's honestly so nice to hear um something else also that i'd like to know about is has coming out as queer impacted your outlook on relationships in general um definitely like after coming out i think i was very rigid like uh, the place i come from i had a lot of uh, preconceived notions about how relationships work or how friendship works how love works and uh, very clear distinction if i give an example i uh, it was something like you you have to like someone some uh, first and then you have to love someone as in that was the level of you know the relationship dynamics so if you and uh, so the definition of love was you have to be committed to that person you have to marry them or something over the years that has changed and coming out helped me a lot you know like um, in terms of how i look at relationships right now how i look at the concept of love i am very open and i think it made me more non judgmental because i realized that okay there are other people who understand relationships differently and um, yeah similar similarly for me so i think it gave me a lens of um, empathy and understanding and even if i don't understand something i think um, it helps me in just 
saying that you don't need to understand you just need to accept it so sometimes i don't understand understand a few things but i am always ready to say that yeah it's acceptable it's like it's a new way of thinking so yeah that way it has helped and now i look at relationships in various forms like anything for me is not like it doesn't twitch my eye or anything it's just a very normal part of human experience and we are in, we are evolving with the kind of um, technology we are having or the kind of experiences we are having uh, the kind of friendships or uh, you know due to go due to globalization or whatever like we are meeting so many people at a rapid rate so of course we'll the dynamics will change and everything so yeah being a queer person i am very very i think i'm more acceptable than i was earlier okay and uh, that was very wholesome honestly uh, prishti thank you for sharing that so candidly with us and uh, yeah i think with that we come to the end of this segment once again thank you so much for taking your time out to be with us on the narratives today and for sharing your experiences and your journey with us so articulately thank you so much thank you guys for calling me it was really interesting yeah that was a very very uh, packed episode and honestly after going through with that episode i am left with so many thoughts and so many insights that i really want to go back and read more about and educate myself further about and i really hope that that's the sentiment that our listeners are left with as well uh but uh, if i were to talk about my key takeaway from today's episode it would be the role of a family support for individuals in uh, queer relationships this is something that was brought up by richa in our conversation with her and i think um, it uh, spoke a lot about how familial support can really act as a buffer for all of the discrimination and stigma that queer individuals have to face in society uh for living their truth so i think that was definitely my uh, key takeaway and yeah yeah what was it for you shweta i think i would have to say um what richa mentioned about uh, you know mental health uh, professionals right i think uh, um like she rightly mentioned we have a research and theory that's so restricted to just the cis het population and um there's so little access to inclusivity when it comes to research and theory and as mental health professionals i think it's all of our responsibility to actually um take that information that we have and translate it uh, you know like when we are translating it into practice make it more inclusive and uh, uh, you know understand it with respect to the context of the client or the individual that we're talking to because i think i had the grassroots we constantly think uh, we constantly learn about how it is our innate responsibility to um, you know uh, not harm the client and do everything in our power to support them so yeah i think that was just um, uh, one thing that uh, she mentioned and even about how it's important as professionals to be open to referring the client to a more to an individual who might be competent enough to um, you know support them adequately so yeah i think that was my biggest takeaway um, through this uh, episode yeah i definitely agree with you there as well all right with that we wrap up this episode of the narratives where we discussed queer romantic relationships Please do take note that all the research studies and other sources cited in today's episode including the research study that was mentioned in today's research snapshot can all be found in the show notes below a special mention to utkrishti for being so candid in our conversation and for taking her time to share her lived experiences with us and our listeners 
while we hit the bookstore prep for the next episode, you can make sure to stay tuned to all things Matra by following us on all of our social media, the links to which you can find in the description below. We'll see you next time. The Narratives is produced by Matra, an initiative launched under the 2021 cohort of the Fortis Young Mental Health Advocacy Program by Fortis Mental Health.